Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, open to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going through the book of Ephesians on Sunday mornings. And uh, we've come to a very important part of our passage um, as we've been looking through Ephesians chapter 1. And um, the first couple of verses were just kind of an introduction in verses 1 and 2, but then um, in uh, the next few verses we find the, the blessings of the Father, and, uh, and then we find the work of the Son in uh, verses 7 down to uh, verse number 12. And this morning we're going to be looking at the Spirit. Uh, I do find it very interesting that Paul, as he's writing to the church of Ephesus, he begins this book dealing with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, And it's a very important uh, passage that we're looking at this morning. And we'll begin in verse number 13, just looking at two verses this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13 and 14. He says, "...in whom ye also trusted." After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Father, again, we do thank you that we can come this morning. Lord, we ask now that you would bless the the reading of your word. And Lord, as we open it, you would speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for those um, who will be baptized later this, uh, this morning, and uh, thank you for their willingness to be obedient uh, to Christ and, and baptism. Um, Lord, I pray that you would just work in the service this morning. I pray that you would just help our hearts and our, our minds to be attentive to what you would have for us, Lord, and you would speak to hearts as only you can. And Father, we ask that you just bless in our service now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit, and uh, again, as we've been looking, we've dealt with the Father, the blessings of the Father, and then we've looked at the work of the Son, and of course, the work of the Son is, is so powerful because he says in verse number seven, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And so we understand the work of the Son, Jesus Christ, who is willing to come to this earth. He's willing to bleed and die on the cross for our sins so that we could experience salvation. We could have eternal life through Him. But as we come to verse number 13, He begins to speak to us about the security of the Spirit. The security of the Spirit. And what's really fascinating is in these two verses, really specifically um, in verse number 13 we find salvation again emphasized, Um, both dealing with the Father, uh, salvation is emphasized, dealing with the Son, salvation is emphasized, dealing with the Spirit, salvation is emphasized. Why? Because salvation is the most important thing that can happen in a person's life. It's not about what church you're a member of, it's not about whether you've been baptized, it's not about whether you're good. It's about, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? That's the most important thing. And that's why both in the verses that deal with the blessings of the Father, the verses that deal with the work of the Son, and here with the security of the Spirit, we find salvation. And here's what's amazing about this verse in verse number 13. The entire process of salvation is seen in one verse. The entire process of salvation is seen in one verse. Notice here, dealing with salvation here, right? This is how sinners 
become saints. We talked about this as he's writing here to the church of Ephesus, and he says, Paul, in verse number one, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. The, the, the saints, any, anybody who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior is a saint. We're saints. Okay? And, and so he's talking about here in verse number 13 how we went from being a sinner to being a saint. Right, And he explains here, he says, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, the first thing we're going to look at here dealing with salvation in this verse is I want want us to see what is in the verse. What's in this verse? What does he speak about here? What's in the verse? Notice there are two things that he emphasizes here. Hearing and believing. Hearing and believing. He says, in whom also ye trusted after that ye... What's that next word? Come on, what is it? Heard. You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So there is hearing. What is it that we need to hear in order to become, move from being a sinner to a saint? What do we have to hear? He tells us here, it is the word of truth. The word of truth. Also, in the same verse, he refers to it as the gospel of your salvation. He says, in whom also ye trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel message, the truth is the gospel. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. If you hold your place here in Ephesians chapter 1 and you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul again explains the gospel in verse number 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Friend, that is the gospel message. The gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, is the death, the burial, and resurrection. We think about that especially this week. Um, I really am always amazed many times as I'm preparing messages. Um, I, I'm not one that prepares messages far in advance. I just, um, as, as I'm working through and studying, um, I just preach what's there. And uh, how the Lord even allowed this message to be brought today, dealing with, of course, what we're thinking about coming up next week in Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel message, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It is when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. You understand that he died for our sins? That means that there's nothing you and I can do to take away our sin. There's nothing we can do to even remove one sin. I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person, and and I hope I'll be able to get to heaven one day. And so I've asked them, well, let me ask you, friend. How many, how many good things do you have to do to take away one sin? And they stop and they think and I, I don't know. Well, and I say, how many sins have you committed? Well, a lot. So how do you know if any of the good things you're doing are taking away any of your sins? 
If you don't even know how many good things you can do to take away one sin, what are you doing with all your sins? You understand, that's why Jesus Christ came, because you and I can't do anything good to take away any of our sins. Jesus Christ had to come and had to die on the cross for our sins. And this is what he says back in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, ye, ye trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. As Paul preached to these people in Ephesus, and they heard the gospel message, they heard that they could not save themselves. It was only Jesus Christ that could save them. And they heard that message. They recognized that it was not anything they could do. It wasn't being religious. They were religious people in Ephesus, but it wasn't being religious. It wasn't just going to church or being a member of a church. It was hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And then notice when they heard, the Bible says they believed, they trusted He says, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard. In the same verse, he says, in whom also after that ye believed. When they heard the gospel message, when they heard that Jesus Christ was the only way, the Bible says they believed. After hearing the word and understanding what it meant, they trusted, they believed. It wasn't the hearing that brought about salvation. Look, friend, you can be here today and you can hear everything I'm saying. We all have ears. We can, we can hear what is being said. But just hearing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again, does not save you. Just hearing it doesn't save you. And, and if you've been in church for, for any length of time, I'm sure you've probably heard it even more than once. You've probably heard that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. You've probably heard that more than once. But you see, just hearing it doesn't bring salvation. Hearing it doesn't save us. Look, friend, I heard it for 20 years. For 20 years, I heard it. My dad was a preacher. I heard it for 20 years. Didn't save me. Just hearing it doesn't save. And this is why he says that ye trusted, ye believed after ye heard. It wasn't the hearing that brought salvation. It was their faith that brought salvation. You can hear the gospel, but it doesn't save you. It's what are you going to do with the gospel? Are you going to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved? Two weeks in a row now, I've done funerals each week. And both of the funerals, as I present the gospel, I help them to understand that the reason why that person that we're talking about why we can have confidence that that person is in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ is not because they were a good person. It's not because they were a church member. It's not because they were good to their family. The only reason that we can know that that person is in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ is because they made a decision to believe what they heard. They believe that Jesus Christ was the only way to be saved. This is what he's saying here. Do you see what's here in this verse? He says, you are to hear, and then we have to believe. That's that's what he says. This is what salvation is. We hear the gospel, and then we have to make a decision. Are we going to believe it, or are we going to reject it? Are we going to believe that Jesus is the only way, or are we going to say, no, I think there's something else? 
Because here's the second thing we're going to look at. Notice what is not in this verse, right? Again, in this verse, he speaks specifically about salvation. In whom, that's Jesus Christ, ye trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So he talks about hearing about Jesus Christ, the gospel of your salvation. When they heard, they believed. But notice what is not in this verse. Notice he says nothing about baptism. Because baptism doesn't save. Now, in a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to have a baptism service. And I'm so thankful that there are people that are going to be baptized. But can I tell you something? The baptism that you're going to watch, that baptism doesn't save that person. That baptism is not going to wash away any sins. It doesn't wash away any sins. It doesn't save a person. Each one of these people that are going to be baptized, I have met with individually, and every single one of them has told me there was a time that they heard the gospel and they believed and they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Can I tell you something? If the, any of those people today that are going to get baptized, if any of those people were to die right now, do you know where they would be? They'd be in heaven because it has nothing to do with baptism. Did you see baptism in that verse? Verse number 13. No, you didn't. It says in whom ye trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. Do you know what else is not in this verse? The 10 commandments are not in this verse. People say, well, if you could just, if I can just keep the 10 commandments, then I'll be able to go to heaven. You're not going to find them in that verse. You know why? Because first of all, you can't keep the Ten Commandments. There's been a lot of people that's tried. You know how many have accomplished it? Nobody. Nobody has. You understand? That's why Jesus Christ had to come because there are so many things that we try ourselves. We say, well, if, if I can just be baptized or if I can keep the Ten Commandments, oh, do you know what else is not in this verse? Good works. Being a good person. You're not going to find that in this verse. He says, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Notice he doesn't say baptism is salvation. He doesn't say the 10 commandments is salvation. He doesn't say good works is salvation. He doesn't say church membership is salvation. It's not there. There are two things that he says in this verse that bring salvation. It is hearing and believing. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the only way that a person can be saved. And that's why in this one verse, we see the entire process of salvation. They hear the word of God and a person chooses to believe and say, yes, I believe Jesus is the way. Or you know what? I don't think what Jesus said is true. You say, what do, what do you mean? What did Jesus say? Well, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by, what was that next word? Me. He didn't say Ten Commandments. He didn't say baptism. He didn't say church membership. He didn't say good works. He said by me. Because there's only one way. That's what he said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is only one way of salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ. And this is why we see here, again, both in the verses dealing with the Father, the verses dealing with the, the Son, and the verses dealing with the Holy Spirit, he says very clearly, salvation is only through Jesus Christ. In verse number seven, in whom we have redemption through his 
blood the forgiveness of sins. Again, he doesn't say in whom we have redemption through church membership or baptism or good works or Ten Commandments or whatever it is you want to try to do. He says, no, it's through him. It's through his blood, through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Friend, do you understand that there is something that you can add If there is something that you can add to what Jesus has already done, then you're saying his, what he did is not sufficient. Do you you understand what we're saying? When, When religion says, hey, yes, it's okay to believe in Jesus, but you also have to do this to be saved also. Then friend, you're saying Jesus is not sufficient. Religion says Jesus is not sufficient. Oh, believe, but then also you've got, you know, if, if, you're not there, if you're not part of our church, if you're not baptized, if you don't be good, if you don't follow all the rules, if you don't do this or that, then, then you're not going to go to heaven. So are you telling me that what Jesus did is not enough? That somehow I have to add to what Jesus Christ did? The perfect sinless sacrifice, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world is not enough that I have to add something myself. How dare we say that Jesus Christ is not enough. That's why Paul says in Galatians chapter two and verse number 21, if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If you and I can add anything to salvation, then it was worthless for Jesus Christ to die. It was pointless because I can do it myself. And it's very clear in scripture. He says, no, 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 no. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In verse number 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He says nothing about anything other than Jesus Christ. We hear the gospel message, what Jesus Christ did for us, and we will make a choice whether to believe Jesus or to say, no, Jesus, I don't think you're enough. I think there's something else that I must do. You see, salvation is in verse number 13. But then also notice verse number 13 and 14. He talks about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. He says at the end of verse number 13, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So watch what takes place. When a person goes from being a sinner to being a saint, they are a sinner. They hear the word of God. They accept, they recognize that what Jesus said is true, that he is the only way. They believe that. They trust the gospel message. They trust in the the, the truth of the gospel and they accept Christ as their savior. And now they become a saint. And the Bible says when they become a saint, when they believe Jesus Christ, they are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the sealing here. What is the purpose of the sealing of the Holy Spirit? Why does he say we are sealed with the Holy Spirit? The sealing of the Holy Spirit has the idea of a finished transaction. When legal documents are processed, they are stamped with an official seal to signify the completion of the transaction. The seal says this transaction is now complete. It's now complete. 
Um, it, it, is, it is a legal document. It's a binding document, and it is now complete. What it does, the sealing shows ownership. What has God done? He has placed his seal upon those who have accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. What has he done? He has placed his seal. What is his seal? The Holy Spirit. His seal is the Holy Spirit of God. And he places the seal upon those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It shows ownership. He has put his seal on us. Why? Why why has he placed this seal of ownership upon us? Watch this. Here's why. Because when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, he bought us. He bought us. What did he buy us with? We read back in verse number seven, with his precious blood. We are bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You see, you do not belong to yourself anymore. When you went from being a sinner to a saint, you now belong to God. You belong to Jesus Christ. Hold your place here in Ephesians. Go back with me to the the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, let's see, I think it's chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul is writing again to believers. He's writing to the saints of Corinth. And watch what he says in verse number 19. He says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. And I want you to notice this last phrase. And ye are not your own. You understand? He's he's writing to these believers who have heard the word of truth. They've believed the gospel message. And he says, hey, when you believed, you received the Holy Spirit. And make sure you understand when you receive the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to yourself anymore. The sealing of the Holy Spirit shows who owns you. You know who owns you? God. God owns you. You belong to God. Look in verse number 20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. He said, you belong to God. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, his precious blood is what was able to pay the price for your sin. His blood on the cross, when, when he took your sin, again, please think about this for just a moment. You think about all the sin you've ever committed in your life. Think about that for a moment. All right? Then you think about all the sin committed by everybody in this room right here this morning. Then you think about the sin committed by every single person in this state. And then you think about the sin committed by every single person in this country. And the sin committed by every single person in the world. And the sin committed by every single person that has ever lived or ever will live. It's a big picture, isn't it? And all of that sin, the Bible says, was placed upon Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ was willing to take our sin upon himself. 
So much so that when the father looked at the sin, he said, I cannot look upon my own son. And he turned his back on his own son. And Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You understand that Jesus was willing to be forsaken by the father for your sin and my sin. That's what he was willing to do for us. Why? Because he loved you. Because he loved me. He loves every single person in the world. And though everyone may not receive him, he loves them and he wants them to know that he has shed his blood for them. And if they will just by faith put their trust in Jesus Christ, then they can be saved. Because when we accept Christ as our savior, then God says, hey, I want you to know you belong to me and I'm putting my seal on you. You're mine. And I'm telling you, I'm glad I know whose I am. I'm glad I know that I belong to God. That I belong to him and nobody can take me from him. Praise the Lord for that. You see the purpose of the seal. But notice secondly the protection of the seal. The protection of the seal. The seal also shows protection and security. We can never be taken from God because we belong to him. And he put his seal on us. And the only way to take us from himself is to be stronger than God. The only way that we could ever be removed from belonging to God is somehow someone would have to be stronger than God. In in John chapter 6, in verse number 34, I believe Jesus says, All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus said, those that come to me, I'll never cast them out. Later in John chapter 10 and verses 27, 28, and 29, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. Neither shall they perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Jesus said, I won't cast you out and me and my father have got a hold of you and we're never gonna let you go. Now, let me ask you a question. How can you get out then? Well, you know, if it, but if, if you don't do this, wait a second, hold on. Who's holding you? Are you holding you or is God holding you? You see, if God's holding you, he said, I'll never cast you out. And no man is able to pluck them out of my hand, Jesus said. Well, you know, I'll just choose to walk away. Then, friend, you're saying you're stronger than God. You're saying that there's something or there's someone that is stronger than God. That was why on the tomb, why did they, why did they want the Roman seal placed on the tomb? Why, why did they, why did they, the, the Jews want the Roman seal? Why did they want the Roman soldiers around there? Because only one who was stronger than the Roman government would dare break the seal. And friend, can I tell you, Jesus is stronger and had no problem breaking that seal. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus, that seal doesn't mean anything to me. This Roman government, that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm going to conquer death. I'm going to defeat death. I'm going to rise out of here. That seal doesn't mean anything to me. It wasn't, it wasn't that the, 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 the disciples had to go and roll the stone away so that Jesus come out. He defeated death. He didn't need to roll the stone away. He just walked right out. Why? Because he's stronger. He's stronger than death. He's stronger than the Roman government. And friend, can I tell you, he's stronger than you. You say, well, there's something I can do to lose it. Then you're saying you're stronger than him. And you're saying his blood is not sufficient. You see, this seal 
Not only is it is the purpose of it to show that we belong to him, but it shows the protection that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus is stronger. In fact, the word earnest here, when you look at verse number 14, he says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of glory. The word earnest here, it is a, it's a legal term, right? Just as we talked about how uh, this sealing uh, is a, was of legal documents would be sealed. This word earnest refers to a deposit. It refers to a down payment, a pledge, a security, right? There is, there is something that is given to show not only ownership, but it's, it's showing that, uh, that we're going to, we belong to someone and that there's something else that is going to come. One commentator put it like this. It's kind of like an engagement ring. If you think about it, a man before he's, uh, when he's still free and having a good time and all that kind of stuff, I hope my wife's not in here, right? No. Find someone that he loves. He says, this is the woman I want to marry. And he says, I'm going to marry you and I'm going to be true to you. And, and you're going to be the only one that I love. And he gets down, maybe, who knows now how they do it. But the way I did it was I got down on one knee and I looked at, I looked at my wife. Well, she wasn't my wife then, but I looked at her and I said, will you marry me? She said, yes, by the way. (laughs) And I took a ring out of my pocket and I put that engagement ring on her finger. What was that ring symbolizing? Hey, that ring symbolizes to everybody else. She's taken. Stay away. If not, I'm going to find you. We're going to have a, we're going to have a problem about this, right? Now she, she's taken. It it symbolizes, Hey, but not only that, but it also symbolizes, Hey, there's going to come a time when, and it, I think we got engaged in uh, January. We got married in June. So there was a time where we're saying, Hey, I'm going to be true to you. I'm going to be faithful to you. And one day we're going to be able to be united in marriage and we're going to be one together right? There was, there's, there's anticipation here, right? This is what that earnest is. It's like that. It's a down payment, that pledge. And notice what this down payment says. This pledge is, he says, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Now we've already talked about the inheritance. We're not going to go back through this again. We saw that with the blessings of the father and the work of the son, but he says, there is an inheritance that he has for us, for those that are saints, those that are saved in Jesus Christ. There is an inheritance that we have and we are his inheritance. We talked about this last week. He says, but there's an inheritance that we're going to receive. Let me ask you a question this morning. We know the Bible says in John 14, six in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not, so I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, ye may be also praise God for that. Right? So we know that Jesus is making a home for us in heaven, right? How many of you are there today? I hope you're not there today. <laughs> if you do, we need to call nine one one. No, we're not there. We're, guess what? We're right here. We're all gathered here this morning, right? None of us are in heaven right now. We're not there. We're still here. But you know what? God says one day we're going to be there. And you know what? That's, that's part of our inheritance. Part of our inheritance is one day we're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. And he says, just to give you a little taste, just so that you know that you belong to me, that you're secure in me. And hey, I'm going to come again. I'm going to seal you with the Holy Spirit of God. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. He is the earnest. He's the down payment. 
And the earnest or deposit of the Holy Spirit guarantees that we will receive the inheritance that he has promised for us. It's a guarantee. But I want you to notice the third thing about the sealing. Not only the purpose of it and the protection of the seal, but notice the permanence of the seal. Did you notice this? He says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. He says, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God until the redemption of the purchased possession. Let me ask you a question. What is the purchased possession? We just just talked about a minute ago, right? We who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We who have went from being a sinner to being a saint because we heard the word of God and we believe the gospel of our salvation. He says, now that we're saved, he says, you have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. You are the purchased possession. You belong to me. And he said, I'm going to seal you with the Holy Spirit of God. Now watch this until the redemption of the purchased possession. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God until Jesus Christ returns to take us back to heaven. We're sealed. Now, notice, again, please, we're we're letting Scripture speak for itself. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God until the redemption of the purchased possession. That means there's only going to be one time when this is finished. There's one time when this is finished. It's when Jesus returns. That means between the time that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and until the time that Jesus returns, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God and you cannot be unsealed. You cannot be unsealed. Because he says we are sealed until the redemption of the purchased possession. We are sealed until Jesus Christ comes back for his possession and takes us home to be with him. So from the time that we accepted Jesus Christ as our savior until Jesus Christ returns, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It is a permanent seal. It cannot be broken because there is no one stronger than God. It cannot be broken. It's a permanent seal. We are the purchased possession. The Holy Spirit is the down payment. So that means that Jesus Christ is coming to get us. And until he does, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He cannot be broken. For the seal to be broken would mean someone is greater and stronger than God himself. And as powerful as Satan is, Satan is not stronger than God himself. And my friend, if Satan can't even break it, then how do you think that somehow you and I can somehow break this seal, the sealing of the Holy Spirit of God? Well, preacher, but if if you're just, you know, if you're not good, wait a minute. Salvation is not based upon whether I'm good or bad. Because you know what we all were? Bad. We were all bad. We were all sinners. In fact, Romans 5.12 or Romans 5.8 says, but God commended his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We weren't good to earn salvation. We weren't good and that's why we got it. No, no, we were sinners. And we heard the gospel message that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and if we'll put our faith in him, he'll forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life. And when we did that, we became saints, washed in the blood of the lamb, 
through Jesus Christ, we're having our sins forgiven. And now, because we belong to him, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of the purchased possession is redeemed. That's through Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Why is this so important? Watch what he says at the end of the verse. Unto the praise of his glory. Do you know who gets the glory through all of this? Not you and me. He does. And do you understand when we try to take away from God, when we try to change what God says, when God says that salvation is only through Jesus Christ, and we say, oh, no, 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 it's not just through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ, and you have to do this. Do you understand? We are taking away from his glory. We're taking away from his glory. Because now, not only is God getting the credit, but who else gets the credit? Well, you know, I was a, you know, I, I was a pretty good person, so you know, look at me. I was pretty good. Guess what? You're, take, you're trying to take God's glory. Well, you know, I I was baptized, and so, you know, that's what's really going to help. Wait a minute, you're trying to take from his glory. Well, I was a church member, or I I kept the Ten Commandments, or I did this, or I did that. I gave to the church. You're trying to take from God's glory. You understand? God says it has absolutely nothing to do with you and me. It has everything to do with him and him alone. Only him. And that's why he says here in verses 13 and 14, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Can I tell you, friend, the Holy Spirit is important. He's very important because he's the seal God has placed on us to know that we belong to him. If you're here this morning, you say, I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if I have that seal. Friend, the most important thing that you can know in your life is who you belong to. Do you belong to God? Oh, I'm not saying, did you hear that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again? That's not what I'm asking. We've all heard that. What I'm asking is, have you believed that? If you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only way, not a way, not part of the way, but the only way. Because, friend, if you have not believed that Jesus Christ is the only way, then you do not belong to him. You don't belong to him. You're not sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Because it is only those who hear and believe. Again, let's read. These are God's words. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Are you going to believe God's word? Or are you just going to keep believing what you want to believe? You're going to believe what God says is true? Or are you going to believe what man says is true? The only difference is, friend, when you believe what God says is true, you change ownership. Now you belong to God. When you believe what man says is true, you have a big problem because you don't belong to God. You don't have the sealing of the Holy Spirit. You don't have 
that protection. You don't have that security. You don't have that permanence in knowing that there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to break that seal of God. Because you and I are not stronger than God. I wonder this morning with her heads bowed and her eyes closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What I'd like to do at this moment, as quietly as we can, if there are those that are needing to, that have come today to be baptized, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you right now so you can go and get ready. You can just go ahead and and leave at this moment, just as quietly as we can. And for those that are still here this morning, I'd like to ask you a very important question. You've heard this morning. You've heard that salvation is only through Jesus Christ and Him alone. No other way. My question to you this morning is, who do you belong to? I didn't ask what church you belong to. I didn't ask if you've been baptized. I didn't ask if you were a good person. I didn't ask if you're trying to keep the Ten Commandments. No, my question this morning is, who do you belong to? Do you know for sure that you belong to God. And if you'd say, yes, I think I belong to God, then let me ask you, how do you know that? Is it only through Jesus Christ? Or are you trying to add something to what Jesus Christ has done? You say, well, well, my religion or my friend or my grandparents or my parents say this. Wait a minute, I'm not asking what they say. We've looked to see what God says. God says in His Word, we hear and then we choose whether we will believe or not. I cannot help but think in a crowd this size that there may be somebody here today that that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I would like to think that everybody has made that decision to believe. but I'm not that naive to think that there might be someone here today that was like me, that heard the message over and over and over and over and never believed. Maybe there's somebody here this morning. You say, Pastor Andrew, that's me. I'm not sure that I've ever accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior alone. I'm not sure that I belong to God. But I would like to know how my sins can be forgiven. I would like to know how to be saved and know that heaven is my home. I'd like to know that I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I would like to pray for you this morning. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure. Oh, I know what I've been taught. I know what I've heard and all these different things. But I'm going to say this morning, I'm not sure that if I died today, I'm not sure where I would go. You say, Pastor, that's me. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about. Just slip your hand up, put it right back down. Nobody's going to come to you. I just want to pray for you. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm truly saved. 
I'm not sure. Maybe you're trusting in something else other than Jesus. And friend, that's not salvation. Jesus Christ is the only way. The way, the truth, and the life. No man. Jesus says, no man cometh to the Father but by me. Do you know for sure that you've accepted Christ as your Savior? And Christian, if you're here today and you know Christ as your Savior, are you living in a way that brings glory and honor to Him so that He gets the praise? Are we sharing Jesus Christ with others that they too can have their sins forgiven? That they can have that home in heaven? Are we sharing it with them? Father, I pray you'd work in our hearts this morning. Lord, if there's somebody today that does not know Christ as their Savior, God, I pray through your Holy Spirit that you would convict them. From the outside, I know you're not sealing them. If they're not saved, they don't belong to you. And so, Father, I pray that you would convict their heart and help them to realize that it is only through Christ and Christ alone. Lord, for Christians, that we would have a greater desire to share Christ with others because we have had our sins forgiven and we do have a home in heaven. Father, would you work in our hearts this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.